This program is made possible entirely by listeners just like you. For details on becoming a member or making a one-time donation, please visit bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Rachel Maddow Show, The New Left Media, The Young Turks, The Daily Show, Ring of Fire, and The Onion Radio News with a bonus video clip for our iPhone app users from The Colbert Report. Tom Tancredo News. Last week, former failed presidential candidate and current upsetter of apple carts, Mr. Tancredo, issued an ultimatum to two Republicans running in the Colorado gubernatorial primary. Get out or get Tancredoed. He demanded that by Monday at noon, both candidates promise to drop out of the race after the primary, after one of them has already won. And if they refused, Tom Tancredo threatened to run as a third party candidate on the American Constitution Party ticket. Well, Monday noon has come and gone, no one is dropping out, and Tom Tancredo has made good on his promise. Tom Tancredo, of course, is the anti-immigrant candidate. He is the bomb Mecca candidate, but perhaps most hilariously, he's also the impeach Obama candidate. For reasons that that are as inexplicable as they are wacky, Mr. Tancredo thinks President Obama should be impeached. And though Tom Tancredo's name will not have an R next to it on the ballot, if he makes it that far, It is increasingly clear the Republican governing strategy, should the party win back one or both houses of Congress this fall, can best be described as Clinton-era-esque. And then some. Republicans in the House and Senate wrote a letter late last week to the Democratic chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee demanding an investigation into the Justice Department's decision to not pursue a voter fraud case involving the new Black Panther Party. They want a full and complete investigation into this outrageous decision by the Obama administration not to pursue criminal charges, just like the Bush administration. But that's not the point. The point is, this tactic works. Investigators are now looking into the case, which is described by one of those investigators thusly, quote, this has to do with their, meaning Republicans, fantasies about how they could use this issue to topple the Obama administration. My fellow conservatives on the commission had this wild notion that they could bring Eric Holder down and really damage the president. That's right, she said fellow conservatives, she's a conservative, a Bush administration appointee, and she's calling this a witch hunt. But it is Republican Congressman Darrell Issa who has really spearheaded this part of the Republican governing strategy since Obama took office. He's played all the songs from the Republican Greatest Hits collection. He's requested a special prosecutor to investigate the White House. He demanded travel documents from the administration. He has promised that if Republicans take back the House this fall, he will practically double his team of investigators capable of issuing subpoenas. Remember how awesome the Clinton years were? the $2 million Arkansas project launched by a conservative magazine to take President Clinton down, Whitewater, Ken Starr, Troopergate, the conspiracy theory that President Clinton was running drugs out of an airstrip in Arkansas? Yes, the bad old days. And who could forget Republican Congressman Dan Burton shooting a watermelon in his backyard to prove that an administration official could not have committed suicide? This is the governing strategy Republicans want to return to if they win back the majority this November. But you don't have to take my word for it. I think all we should do is issue subpoenas and have one hearing after another. Now, congressional oversight is good for democracy. It is crucial, in fact. And when Daryl Issa demanded Treasury release documents related to the bailout of AIG, I cheered. But oversight and witch hunts are two very, very different things. And the Republican Party today is way more influenced by its kook and fringe than it was during the days of Newt Gingrich and Tom DeLay, hard as 
that may be to believe. So if you like the impeach, investigate, subpoena approach of the 1990s, which slowed and or stopped the function of the government, then no need to hop in your own hot tub time machine. Just watch what we're in for if the GOP regains Congress in the midterms. I guarantee you, it will actually make you miss Ken Starr. For the purposes of this episode, every time you hear this sound, you're about to hear something insane said at Glenn Beck's August 28th rally. These statements are included for educational purposes only and should not be confused as anything that would be endorsed by the management of this podcast or any clear-thinking, well-informed person. What's this rally all about, and why'd you come out for it? Well, I came out, well, it's my standard answer today. I came out to stand with like-minded people uh, who have strong opinions and similar opinions, and really to pray under God in D.C., to stand out here and to stand together and show people we're not crackpots. I think it's about taking back America. we got to stand up and take back our country. Take it back to what it, we believe it used to be. We just don't like the direction it's going. Yeah, just restoring honor and freedom and kind of help the, you know, the White House people to understand that, you know, we need to, um, you know, we need to work for, you know, freedom and, you know, just the things that are going on in the White House right now are just absolutely insane. And then, you know, it's it's becoming, you know, you know, it's just America's kind of, you know, it's kind of more becoming, you know, communist, Socialist, it's crazy. <laughs> the country as it's going nowadays is um, not doing as well. The, the people don't have the pride in their country they used to have when I grew up. They taught that in schools. They don't do that anymore. Our doorstep in this country is extremely dirty, and it needs straightened out before we go straighten other people's up. If we go down, the world is going down behind us. And as it's proven now, the world follows our economy. Except now for China, for example, they're doing very well. We're the only nation like this in the world, and if we lose this, there's nothing else. This is the last bastion of hope, okay? And, and right now, we're on very shaky ground. You don't think there's yeah. any other bastions of hope in the world? No. No. No, I don't. No, I don't. Uh, Canada, maybe? No. No? No. Okay. This is the last bastion of hope right here, okay? Uh, right here. America. Okay. God shed his grace on thee.
former Bush speechwriter for, uh, well, for the Bush administration, is a guy named Michael Gerson. And he wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post saying, what are we doing? I mean, it sounds so similar to what I've said on air that I'm like, wow. <laughs> okay. They, at least some Republicans haven't figured it out. Gerson says, look, Tea Party is toxic for the Republican Party. It's going to destroy the party. Here's three reasons why. They're against Social Security, Social Security and Medicare. He's like, you know what party's going to retain a majority by being against Social Security and Medicare? No party. He's like, it's a mental position. Look, we got beat up for being against Social Security from the very beginning. We barely recovered that. It took us like 50 years to get over that. And now you're going to give it away again by saying the Republicans are against Social Security and Medicare. How much do you want our party to lose? He says, second of all, these guys are totally against immigration. And if you're against immigration, one, you don't understand what this country is made of. And second of all, even if you don't care about that, he's like, look at these numbers. Minorities now compromise two-fifths of children under 18. So they're saying, if you say, hey, we're against minorities, that's 40% of the next generation. How are you going to win an election without getting almost any of the votes of 40% of the population? He's like, you're, it's, he called it political asphyxiation. It's like, we're strangling ourselves. We're leaving us, ourselves no way to win. And this is what I talked to Jonathan Alter about on the Ed Schultz show yesterday. Demographically, tick-tock, tick-tock, they're running out of time, man. Alter made a great point. Uh, McCain won as much of the white vote as Reagan did. Remember, Reagan had landslides. McCain lost significantly. You're, they're holding on to a, the same percentage at this point and, it, and slipping, and not in these elections, but it has in, in 06 and 08, and I guarantee you it will in 12, 14, etc. They're holding on to a shrinking portion of the pie. And they can't win elections that way. Oh, Well, look, if you don't like the Republican Party, you, you should tell me to shut up. Okay, say, so, all right, yeah, 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 how about it, Oz? Oh, Tea Party's a great idea, yeah, blah, blah, immigrants, yeah, definitely. Keep it up, go see how that goes. Because they're this close to the edge of the cliff. You just need to get, yeah, you push them off. It's not going to happen in 2010, but it is going to happen in 2012, and definitely in 2014. And then finally, his third point is, um, he's like, why do you guys keep bringing up guns? He's like, nobody's challenging the Second Amendment. Nobody. But this is Bush's speechwriter. It's like, now when you bring up guns, you know what you're saying, this whole talk of lock and load and armed revolution and Second Amendment rights to, you know, rebel against the government. He's like, are you guys mental? At some point, people are going to say, no, these guys are crazy. We're not going to vote for these lunatics who are talking about armed revolution. And here's another thing I never thought I'd say, Michael Gerson, top push speechwriter, totally right driving themselves off a cliff. And what's hilarious and probably will hurt them tremendously and, and is that they probably will win in 2010, which I'm going to explain it, the numbers in a second. And when they win a little bit in 2010, they're going to be like, oh, we knew it! Go further to the right! More armed revolution, less Social Security. They're Thelma and Louise, man. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting seeing them jump off that Grand Canyon after 2010, especially if they win the House 
a majority of the House, and all of a sudden John Boehner, Mr. Golf, Mr. Orange Tan, is Speaker of the House? And then you see what the Republican Party has in store for you, which is not a goddamn thing? What are they going to do? Okay, they're only going to kill themselves more, if you ask me, by uh, if they win in 2010. So let's presuppose for a moment that you actually enjoyed this show. Now, if that's true, please consider supporting it with a $5 monthly membership. I actually quit my job as a climate activist to pursue this show full-time because this is where I felt like my talents could best be put to use and I could have the biggest impact on the world. But I really need your support to keep going. I produce 10 shows a month of fearless coverage on all the hot-button issues we face, maintaining a rock-solid schedule posting shows at least every third day. So if all that is worth 5 bucks a month or as little as $55, a year, a little discount for you, please consider signing up for a membership at bestoftheleft.com. Members even receive bonus audio and video content on top of the rest that doesn't make it into the final cut of the show. So please, again, check out the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Thanks so much for your support. The midterm elections. Midterm elections heating up both houses of Congress, hanging in the balance. One question lingers on everyone's mind. Is Governor Sarah Palin taking over as leader of the feminist movement? Absolutely! She is, and it's sure to be a glorious and productive tenure as leader. I'm sorry, I'm being told Sarah Palin has just stepped down as leader of the feminist movement <laughs> to spend more time more effectively leading the feminist movement. For more on Sarah Palin's new female coalition, we're joined by Daily Show senior women's issues correspondent, Kristen Shaw. Kristen, welcome. Uh, we are... Uh, this idea that Sarah Palin is, is now leading a feminist movement, what, what, who are these women that Sarah Palin is, is reaching out to? Well, John, Sarah Palin is forming a coalition of female candidates and voters to stand up for what they believe in. And anyone in her way had better play dead. Sarah Palin is out with a new video invoking the power of Mama Grizzlies. Here in Alaska, I always think of the Mama Grizzly Bears that rise up on their hind legs when somebody's coming to attack their cubs, to do something adverse toward their cubs. You thought pit bulls were tough. Well, you don't want to mess with the Mama Grizzlies. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, John. The music. It just, it moves me. It's like you too without the copyright fees. Yeah. Uh, 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 Mama, Mama Grizzlies. Mm -hmm. It sounds like Governor Palin's political strategy is to release a, a pack of, for lack of a better word, killing machines uh, into the legislative process. Killing machines? No, no. Mama Grizzlies are protecting machines. Mama Grizzly, in a political sense, is someone who is watching what is going on that is adversely affecting our cubs, our children, the future of America. It's all about stopping Obama, Pelosi, and Reid and what they are doing to our country. Oh, see that right there, the, the notion that somehow protecting children uh, is equated with stopping Democrats. It just, I mean, don't, don't somehow liberal women care about their children as well? No way, John. <laughs> Liberals aren't bears. If anything, they're like gerbils. They'll eat their young if their welfare check is late. The, the, so the, the suggestion is, is all bears are conservative then? Yeah, just about. I mean, the only ones that typically don't vote Republican are the Bernstein bears. Because they're Jews. 
I got it. Yeah. Uh, 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 so, so but, but taking her premise for what it's worth, then what, what conservative traits do bears possess? The one thing that this country needs more than ever, John, common sense. They have common sense. They know that we have to extend the Bush tax cuts. They have to repeal the budget-busting bills like Obamacare. See, again, that, I don't associate grizzlies with common sense and supply-side economic theory. The mama grizzly's real power doesn't come from being a bear. It comes from being a mama. It seems like it's kind of a mom awakening in the last year and a half where women are rising up and saying, no, we've had enough already because moms kind of just know when something's wrong. Okay, that's crazy. <laughs> moms, moms just kind of know. She's selling her political movement the, 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 the way they sell peanut butter and, and fever reducers. Yeah, choosy moms choose Palin. But how... <laughs> How does a woman then know if she is a mama grizzly? Easy, John. All you need is one of these. A mama grizzly eligibility test. You just take it into the bathroom, pee on the end of it, then wait five minutes. If Rachel Maddow appears, sorry, you're not qualified. But if you see a bear eating pickles and ice cream, congratulations, you're a mama grizzly. And don't forget, ladies, if you pee on Old Glory before you're married, it voids the test. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'll never be a Mama Grizzly, so... I'm sorry, Kristen, that... <laughs> why, why, why is that? Well, John, you might just say I'm barren. <laughs> on the left are criticizing Glenn Beck for holding this on the 47th anniversary of the I Have a Dream speech. Do you think that's silly or do you think there's a concern? No, I, I think it, it was in a very appropriate day yeah. because we all have a dream here now to bring this country back together. Do so you think there's some similarities that can be drawn? Sure. How appropriate to have this gathering on the day that Martin Luther King said, I have a dream. It's not insensitive and the the, the issue with Al Sharpton, who's going to bring his Black Panthers here to meet us here and, and, and cause some kind of an incident, is, is wrong. Because Al Sharpton doesn't own the day. The black people of America don't own the day. The African Americans don't own the day. Nobody owns this day. Okay? It's not, it's not just like We freedom. don't own George Washington as a Caucasian. No one owns George Washington, and no one owns... Martin Luther King. A lot of what people were concerned with was that the person who was speaking on the anniversary from the same place was also someone who had accused Barack Obama of being a racist with a deep-seated hatred for white people. And so they're saying that they have a problem with that. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? Glenn Beck said that. Glenn Beck said that. 
I don't think so. I don't think you're getting that wrong. You don't think Glenn Beck said that Barack Obama was a racist? No, I don't think he said that. You think he said that? I haven't heard him say that. Do you, do you know about Glenn Beck having said that Barack Obama was a racist? Uh-uh. I never heard him say he was yeah. a racist. I've never heard Glenn say that. Yeah. I've never heard him actually be disrespectful to the president. Glenn Beck is not going to say that. You're just, you're just turning words around here. I know where you're at, and I ain't talking to you. Sure. You didn't hear the Glenn, when Glenn Beck referred to Obama as a racist? No. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Well, we'll tell you what we did find but very I, I would, surprising I, if, today. If I heard that, I'd believe it, because he is a bit of a racist and a bit of an elitist. I agree with him. I agree with him. And why is that? Barack Obama has done nothing but separated this country and caused blacks and whites against each other, and that's not fair. And how's, how's he done that? How's that? A long list of things. One of the questions facing the president right now is whether to go left or right in response to our economic downturn. Has he been too liberal or too conservative? Well, a little historical perspective might help answer that question. For example, how would President Obama compare to Ronald Reagan? Are you sitting? I think Ronald Reagan would be unelectable today, even as a Democrat. Now let's review the record. Reagan gave amnesty to millions of illegal immigrants. Instantly, he's eliminated. That's far too liberal a position for a so-called mainstream Democrat today. It wasn't pathway to citizenship. It was blanket amnesty. I'm not sure there's an elected Democrat in the country right now that argues for that liberal a position. As Reagan once said, facts are stubborn things. Second, he negotiated with terrorists and traded arms for hostages. Another instant elimination. Imagine what Fox News would do to a Democratic president who flat out made a deal with terrorists and gave them arms. Game over. Unelectable. Facts are stubborn things. Ronald Reagan, after initially cutting taxes, raised taxes 11 different times. He saw that the deficit was going to be even more out of control and changed course on tax rates. If Obama raised taxes 11 different times on his watch, that's all anyone would talk about. He wouldn't dare, and you know it. Even after Reagan cut taxes in 1981, and everyone gave him credit for being so conservative, the top marginal tax rate at the time was 50%. That's 15 points higher than now. If Obama suggested we had a top marginal rate of 50%, he would be pummeled. Facts are stubborn things. Finally, what happened when we were attacked by terrorists in the Middle East under Reagan's watch? He ran for the hills. We lost 241 U.S. servicemen in Lebanon after a massive terrorist strike by Hezbollah on our Marines. What was Reagan's response? Cut and run. If a Democrat had done that, it is inconceivable that he could get elected in this day and age. He'd be called a coward, an appeaser, scared of terrorists, etc. Does anyone really disagree with that? It's indisputable. Facts are stubborn things. Of course, I'm not saying Reagan was more liberal than Obama on every issue. That'd be absurd. But would he be electable as a Democratic candidate today, let alone a Republican one? 
No way, Jose, not even close, and you know it. Now, it's fair to point out that times were different back then, that Reagan pushed the political spectrum significantly to the right back then, even if he was far more liberal in some respects than anyone who runs for office today. But that's exactly my point. Our politics have shifted so far to the right that Reagan would have had a Tea Party opponent run him out of town in a Republican primary. We're so far right, we now have a Tea Party Republican candidates who say we should abolish Social Security, that's Joe Miller in Alaska among others, and that if you get raped, you should be forced to have the child because you need, quote, to turn a lemon situation into lemonade. That was Sharon Angle in Nevada. If we go any further right, we're going to fall off the cliff if we haven't already. Look at our economy. We cut taxes for the rich over and over again until we had historic income inequality in this country, just like before the Great Depression. We ran giant deficits. We spent Social Security surplus. We went to countless wars. And now we're close to running out of money. And it looks like President Obama and the Republicans are going to agree next week that the answer is more tax cuts. This is insanity. The country needs a psychiatrist. We've been hypnotized by the right-wing noise machine. Somebody needs to snap their fingers and tell us, wakey, wakey. I'm hoping that this was all an exception-like dream, but it isn't. It's our national nightmare, and it's only going to get worse because the banks will crash the economy again, will be out of money, and the usual suspects will come out and say the answer is more tax cuts and hand over your Social Security. I just wish we had a Democratic president who had promised to change all of this. Hey Jay, my name's Lizette and I'm from El Paso, Texas. I just recently signed up for your monthly membership and wanted to let you know that I love your podcast. Um, I thought it's incredibly uh, important for us to, to have all this information um, and to let people know that yes, we are keeping up with what's going on and know not just because you scream the loudest, um, you happen to be right, even though Republicans like to think so. I just wanted to let you know to um, keep going. It's an incredible podcast. I love it. Listen to it now daily because I'm catching up to all the old ones. So thank you. Bye. Okay, you have to read his books because it's in there. His dad has a deep-seated hatred against uh, against white people. Okay, and uh, as far as as far as any of his other ideologies, I I can only tell you that, like the scripture says, out of the abundance of a man's heart, so he speaks. If that's if he's going to take the time to write that stuff down and and put it in the historical record, then something is going on. I can't believe this country would elect someone so anti progress and pride of America that would willfully destroy the, the country and divide us so so sharply again on the issue of race. Yeah. I, I don't want to believe that. I'm not prepared to believe that our president who represents all of us would do that. I agree with the, the birther people that I don't think he's even a um, legalized citizen. Yeah. And do you think he's a Christian? I think he's Muslim in heart. He only joined the Christian church in Chicago for political gain. I don't think he has faith in our country. I don't think he believes in our country. I don't think he ever did. 
No, that's a that's a big thing to say though. That say that you know he ran for president. He didn't believe in the country. Well, if the shoe fits, um, that's just my opinion, and I'm an American, and I'm allowed to have my my opinion. Absolutely. And I do have freedom of speech, and the way the current government is going, I'm not going to have that freedom. Where has the uh, current administration started to take away freedom of speech? Well, you're not allowed to pray at the monuments anymore. Now, what's the deal with that? You're not allowed to pray in the the. Um, you're not allowed to say the the Lincoln Monument. You're not allowed to pray at the Lincoln Monument. Yeah. When did that When did that happen? We were just told about that the other day on the news. So I mean, it's a lot of little stuff like that. I think is stupid. And one day we're not going to be able to do what we want to do. And they just need to back off. So I listened to the preacher as he told me what to do. He said, you can't go hating others who have done wrong to you. Sometimes we get angry, but we must not condemn. Let the good Lord do his job. And you just pray for them. I pray your brakes go out running down a hill I pray a flower pot falls from a windowsill And knocks you in the head like I'd like to I pray your birthday comes and nobody calls I pray you're flying high when your engine stalls I pray all your dreams never come true Just know wherever you are Let's begin tonight in Washington. You know, as you know, we talk a lot on this program uh, about how Congress can be somewhat ineffectual or, or short-sighted or, or ignorant or a fetid pool of corruption and stupidity located at the intersection of Entitlement Avenue and abject dereliction of duty lane. I, I'm, I'm sorry, what are we talking about again? Ah, Congress. All right. Credit where credit is due. Last week, the House of Representatives took up a pressing issue with bipartisan support. Today is an important step towards ensuring that the appropriate resources are available to take care of those who risk their lives to save others on September 11th. Mr. Speaker, our committee can do great work when we work together. Yes, we can. And what better reason to work together than on a bill providing health care for 9-11 first responders and relief workers currently suffering chronic health problems directly related to their brave service. It's one of Congress's finest hours, but I'm, I'm sorry, sir, I, I cut you off. Continue. Mr. Speaker, our committee can do great work when we work together. This is not one of our finest times. Hey, what the, what? <laughs> wait, I, are, wait, are, under what? Are you objecting to this bill? How? Why? What? Wet? Wicker? Wah! <laughs> yes, apparently this story now falls under the rubric of our brand new segment, I Give Up! <laughs> All right. Naysayers. Let's hear why you're against it. 
the legislation has been paired with a fundamentally flawed and job-destroying tax increase, and therefore I will vote against it. Oh! Oh, there's a tax increase to pay for this! I'm sorry, I didn't know they were going to try and pay for the bill <laughs> to provide health care for those suffering for their heroism with a tax. My guess is it must be an incredibly reprehensible and onerous tax to cancel out your willingness to have such a fine program. Is it a tax on, I don't know, babies? <laughs> Is it a fine for acts of kindness? Is it a tariff on parents who allow their children to retain their virginity past the age of 14? <laughs> for I too would reject such a measure. Or is this tax actually just the closing of a loophole to prevent, quote, foreign multinational corporations incorporated in tax haven countries from avoiding tax on income earned in the United States? Translation, your P.O. box on Grand Cayman Island ain't fooling anybody, Jack. <laughs> My guess is Representative Camp found himself decamped, even from his own colleagues on this one. Going through that rubble and their heroism themselves, and they went there to save survivors, not to raise taxes. You fill my heart with sadness. <laughs> I mean, if they had... I don't even... I, I honestly... I just don't... I, I guess if 9-11 responders had known taxes might be raised because of their heroism, well, I imagine there would have been quite a different scene on 9-11. All right, uh, there's people stranded on the 89th floor, but before I rush in, you gotta promise me, McCluskey! You gotta promise me and my family! that this will not affect the Swiss pharmaceutical company's offshore tax status. You gotta promise me that! Or I'm not going in there. You're an ass This is, this is making me angry. This is, this is making me angry. It's making me angry and I feel like screaming. But I'm unsure about how far my neck veins can safely bulge out of my neck before blood squirts over my entirely innocent audience. So I'll let New York representative, and this is true, former John Stewart, not as gay as it sounds, summer share pal, Anthony Weiner. I'll, I'll let him do the screaming for me. You vote yes if you believe yes. You vote in favor of something you believe it's the right thing. Instead of standing up and defending your colleagues and voting no on this humane bill, you should urge them to vote yes. I will not yield to the gentleman. It is a shame. A shame. The gentleman will sit. The gentleman is correct in sitting. Now, in no way, in no way do I mean to diminish Congressman Weiner's passion on this issue, but that is exactly what it looked like when you used his peanut butter. <laughs> the gentleman from New Jersey will pay a dollar fifty for that, Skippy. A dollar fifty. The gentleman is correct in paying a dollar fifty. Now, with that, with that kind of passion on the Democrat side and the clear majority in the House of Representatives, I can't believe that this bill was defeated. Let's take, a look at the, let's take a look at the vote total. Right there, there it is, 255. Well, wait, no, they, 
well, wait, there's 435 seats, so you need uh, 218 to pass, so that, that's a majority. That's an actually a very good, big How did this not pass again? Democrats used a procedure which required a two-thirds right. vote for passage. They got a majority, but they didn't There's get the two-thirds needed. Why the f*** would you use that? <laughs> Why would you make this harder, Democrats? The Republicans are trying to amend this money and say, okay, you have this $7 billion, but none of it can go to illegal immigrants, for example, who might have been at ground zero. Wait, what? what? Wait, what? What the? Oh, no, okay. Okay, you know, that makes sense. I guess if you spent days crawling through rubble and ash, inhaling toxic fumes and permanently damaging your internal organs, all to save the lives or ease the pain of the American people, but you don't have an H-1B work visa, you're clearly a freeloading ass who deserves nothing. Why don't the Democrats with their majority just say, I don't know, vote something like that down under the asinine amendments won't fly act? They didn't want to have to vote on that amendment. Democrats used rules requiring a wider majority for approval to prevent Republicans from offering amendments on the floor that they said would embarrass them in an election year. Did I mention that I give up? <laughs> well, in a media culture that throws fits when something as minor as Erica Badu disrobing for some low-budget video performance street art publicity stunt. Can you not even walk down the sidewalk now without being forced to observe random strangers nude? No, no, you can't. You can't. You can't walk down the sidewalk without that happening. Imagine! Imagine the seismic pundit ripples of anger when politicians put craven political expedience over the well-being of our nation's most deserving heroes. What? I don't know the particulars of the bill as, as to, as to the, and the, the points of it. I have no idea what Anthony Miller's even talking about. He's just screaming, and it's such a turnoff. <laughs> Is it? Is it a turnoff? <laughs> Is that from your Playboy profile? My turnoffs include wiener screaming. And in any way justifying my being treated as an expert? <sighs> if Congress can't get two-thirds of a vote majority for 9-11 health care, what, what can they get two-thirds for? Let's say in the very same week of their first responders debacle. Protecting gun owners and bankruptcy act will ensure that families can keep these prized possessions and continue to pass them on for generations to come. Two-thirds being in the affirmative, the rules are suspended, the bill is passed. Hello. Hello. Bankrupt and about to lose your house? While your neighbors continue to live in peace and financial security? Well, good news. Why don't you and Bessie here go live there? <laughs> Unless, of course, they have guns. But don't worry. You'll find a house that doesn't. <laughs> if both sides of the congressional aisle are making decisions solely based on this season's political ads and political expediency, perhaps we should start running this ad. Have you seen the news? I know. The Republicans sure are f***ing assholes. I know. But the Democrats are such pussies. What can we do? Call your congressperson and tell them they're just 
terrible. You can support this podcast at no additional cost yourself when you shop at Amazon through a special widget posted at bestoftheleft.com. You can use the widget to search for what you're looking for or simply click through and shop the site normally. Better yet, click through on the widget once and bookmark that page to use every single time you shop. By doing this, Amazon will donate around 7 or 8% of the cost of your order to support this show without adding a dime to your bill. It's very little effort on your part, but can make a huge difference to support the show. Check out the widget on the right side of bestoftheleft.com. Thanks so much for your support. to take a slap in the face by putting a mosque up there near ground zero well how many mosques are in new york right now there's a bunch of them why do they need another one just to slap us in the face islam is not just a religion they couch it in in it being religion but it's not it's a it's a, a lifestyle do you want to be slapped in the face like that i don't think so it's economic it's uh judicial it's religious it's it's a, a comprehensive lifestyle. So when you buy into the Islam religion, it's everything. It's not that they can't build a mosque. They just don't need to be building it right there and thumbing their nose up at us. And you think that's what, do you think that's what they're doing by building it? I know that's what they're doing. I think it's sticking the eye in the American people. What, 3,000 people died there by Muslims. Muslims are, try, are sticking a thumb in our eye and saying there, what are you going to do about it? This has nothing to do with an olive branch. It has everything to do with building a uh, a, uh, a victory monument for their uh, for their outlandish attacks upon America. They've taken down those towers, right. and by taking down those towers, they've shown to the world that they've had victory over over America and over the the devil of the West. We don't want this uh, to become another Mecca. Uh, whereas there was a, a, a Muslim victory here, okay? To put that right there, not only smacks the families in the face, but America in general. It just doesn't belong there. How far away would, would be, do you think it should be built? Closer than three blocks. You know, further away than three blocks. It's three blocks right now. Yeah, like, I mean, but four, I mean, is there... How about... 100 miles away. How far away do you think it should be? What would be like a good distance to put it? They have more mosques in New York City than you shake a stick at. What the devil do they need another one? Wherever they have have, have uh, achieved a victory, they build a mosque uh, and what have you. What is the name of that mosque? What is the name of that mosque? Do you I, know what I don't, the name no, of it is? Uh, it's the, um, help me, Bill. I don't know. It's, it's the same name as the one in Spain. But the, the I, so some might say that you, what, what's happening is they're confusing radical Islam with more moderate Islamic factions. Yeah. Uh, I learned all I needed to know about Islam on 9-11.
take a moment to, to talk about something that's been on my mind. Many of you here in the Ring of Fire community have been disappointed, frustrated, even angry that in 18 months, President Obama has not yet changed America as dramatically as we might have hoped. Frankly, given eight years of two unfunded Bush wars, an unregulated and runaway corporatocracy, a blatantly politicized judiciary with two crucial lifetime appointments to the Supreme Court, I'm astonished at all that he has been able to accomplish in just 18 months. Don't believe me? Let's listen to Rachel Maddow's review. Turns out that a lot of things that have happened in the less than two years of this administration are the biggest or first or most important in generations. Wall Street reform agreement, health reform, the stimulus bill. It didn't just throw a lasso around our entire economy and yank, and yank it back from the brink. It also pumped about $100 billion into the crumbling embarrassment of our national infrastructure and transportation system. Tax incentives for renewable and clean energy. Unheralded, but giant investment in science and tech. Also expanded state kids' health insurance to cover another 4 million kids. The Lilly Ledbetter Fair Pay Act. A nuclear arms deal with Russia that would reduce both countries' arsenals by a third. An international way forward on that radical left-wing proposition of Ronald Reagan. A world without nuclear weapons. The Hate Crimes Prevention Act, also known as the Matthew Shepard Act, dismantled the scandal-plagued Minerals Management Service, overhauled the astonishing stupidity of the student loan system. And the last time any president did this much in office, booze was illegal. If you believe in policy, if you believe in government that addresses problems, cheers to that. So here's the real story. Barack Obama is a young African-American president whose very election brought definitional change to the 200-year established order of American politics. And the truth is that right-wing zealots hate that single fact far more than they despise any of this president's individual policies. Accordingly, they've worked nonstop to demonize him personally from the very moment that he was sworn into office. And it's worked. A recent poll from a Democratic pollster showed that an astounding 55% of likely voters believe that the word socialist accurately describes President Obama. But even in that overheated and toxic political climate, many progressives still feel that he's not been progressive enough. If you've been listening to this broadcast, you've often heard me say that politics in America is a zero-sum game. In a two-party system, when one party loses, only the other one can win. When Al Gore wasn't seated in an election that he rightfully won, eight years of hateful, destructive, and certainly unconstitutional Bush administration policies inevitably followed. The Roberts Court, which the New York Times just quantified as the most conservative high court in almost 60 years, is now poised to reshape American society for not just four or eight years, but for an entire generation, maybe even two. That right-wing majority is a direct consequence of a Republican Congress that rubber-stamped Bush's actions, even as his 750 signing statements allowed him to ignore theirs. For those of you who believe, as George Wallace once famously put it, that there's not a dime's worth of difference between Democrats and Republicans. Let's take a look at what some of the upcoming choices really are. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi versus Speaker John Boehner. Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid or Chuck Schumer or Dick Durbin versus Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Patrick Leahy versus Chairman Jeff Sessions. Think about the Supreme Court with Chairman Jeff Sessions in Judiciary. Senate Armed Services Committee Chairman Carl Levin 
versus Chairman John McCain. There's an end to Don't Ask, Don't Tell, right? Senate Environment Committee Chairwoman Barbara Boxer versus Chairman Jim Inhofe, who denies that there's such a thing as climate change. Senate Health Education Labor Committee Chairman Tom Harkin versus Chairman Mike Enzi of Wyoming. Or what about the Supreme Court? Another Sonia Sotomayor or another John Roberts? An Elena Kagan or another Sam Alito? If you don't think that makes a difference, take another look. I've been growing very frustrated at progressives for once again forming a circular firing squad that plays right into the hands of the real enemies of change. If you listen carefully, you can hear Limbaugh, Beck, and O'Reilly chortling with glee at how so many on our side are effectively abetting them in their daily efforts to destroy Democrats and democracy. If you truly believe that we have the luxury, particularly over these next 100 days, of blithely criticizing President Obama and the Democrats for what they've done wrong or haven't yet done, then please don't come crying to me about how awful it is when you wake up and find yourself living in Sarah America. Those are the choices, friends. You don't have to like them or me. But if you think I'm wrong, good luck to you. It's the Onion Radio News. The shadow government attracts shadow protesters. This is Doyle Redland reporting. An indeterminate number of shadow protesters gathered outside the organization's mountain retreat, sealed germ-free vault, or underground bunker at an undisclosed location today. One unnamed protester had this to say through a megaphone. I will neither confirm nor deny reports that we are accusing the shadow government of violating the U.S. Constitution. According to shadow sources, the group was soon interrupted and dispersed by members of the Shadow Secret Service, who used highly classified means at their disposal. Doyle Redland for the Onion Radio. needs to happen with immigration in our country and why do you think it's a problem let's just enforce the laws that are already on the books it all brings it right around in full circle how the indians felt when the white man came into this country how how they felt i know how they felt i knew how they felt before this but it's really coming out to light now as to how they felt (coughs) it's a health risk i Vaguely recall, I think at Ellis Island, you had to go through, no, you did, you had to go through as an immigrant a health screening. We have no idea, no idea what's coming into the health safety of the general population. If they want to come into this country, do like the old immigrants did. They were proud to come here. 
and they learned to speak English after they got here. Yeah. And they were proud to learn it. And you don't think you don't think a lot of the immigrants that are coming over are proud to come here then? No, they're just coming for a free ride. I caddied for many years. I watched guys who use the system. They came up only in the summertime to work in the in the, uh, in the uh, country clubs, and they would send all the money back to uh, Central America, and then go back down in the wintertime and live like uh, live like kings. They'll slip in, have a baby, and then we're going to support them. They're going to slip back across the border, take their money with them, and come back and forth and say please because this one here's a citizen when you come over illegal intentionally pregnant to have the child born here this way the child becomes an American citizen and then therefore the parents have to stay as well if you just come across the, the um, you know across the border just to have a baby then that's wrong no, a lot of you know because it, it takes still 21 years for you to file. If you if you have a kid here, it takes 20. Your kid has to be 21 years old before they can file for your parent to achieve residency. That's interesting. Yeah. So it, it that's it, so it just seems strange that people would be coming over to have a kid and then wait 21 years for residency. Well, all I know is what my sister tells me. She lives in Arizona. Yeah. And she says she has seen people waiting in parking lots, pregnant women in parking lots, just to get, just waiting to have their baby. But, and I that's mean, sad. But wouldn't there be pregnant women and waiting to have their baby in hospital parking lots, even if they were here legally? Yeah, but they're here legally. Tonight, we start with a party of hate. The Republican Party in this country has been running on hate and division for the last 50 years. First, it was a Southern strategy meant to discriminate against African Americans in order to gain white Southern votes. That worked in capturing the South for a generation or more. But they lost the entire African American vote for even longer. That's what happens when you slap someone across the face. Then, once that well started to run dry, they apologized. In 2005, Republican Chairman Ken Melman told the NAACP he was sorry. Quote, some Republicans gave up on winning the African-American vote, looking the other way, or trying to benefit politically from racial polarization. I'm here today as a Republican chairman to tell you we were wrong. And then they unapologetically picked their next target, gay Americans. They ran campaigns all across America, pre premised on taking away rights from gays in this country. Now, one of the architects of that plan, Ken Melman, who ran George W. Bush's campaign in 04 and was the RNC chair in 06, has come out and said he's gay. Again, our bad, our mistake. Not that they're stopping attacks on that front. I'll have more on that later. Then there's the vitriolic fight against immigrants, undocumented ones, and in Arizona, just people who happen to look undocumented. 
And of course, there's the granddaddy of all prejudice, fear and hatred stoked up against Muslims in this country. Now it's gotten so bad that a young man stabbed a cabbie in the neck and face Tuesday after finding out that he was Muslim. He yelled, Assalamu Alaikum, this is your checkpoint. Ironically, Assalamu Alaikum means peace be with you. But Islam has been so twisted by conservative demagogues here that a peaceful greeting has been misinterpreted as a war cry and then used against Muslims. That a man yesterday walked into a mosque in Queens and urinated all over their prayer rugs while yelling that all Muslims were terrorists. Gee, I wonder where he got that idea. Nazis don't have the right to put up a uh, sign next to the Holocaust Museum in, in Washington. We would never accept the Japanese mm. putting up a site next to Pearl Harbor. Right. Uh, there's no reason for us to accept a mosque next to the World Trade Center. If the manufactured rage against minorities, and Muslims in particular, was not bad enough, Republicans across the country have added an element of violent imagery to top it off. It's not a time to retreat. It's a time to reload. I want people in Minnesota armed and dangerous on this issue. And it hasn't been just Muslim Americans who've been on the receiving end of this violence. There was Scott Roeder who killed abortion provider Dr. Tiller after hearing provocation like this. No matter what you think about the abortion issue, you should be very disturbed by what continues to happen in Kansas. This man, Dr. George Tiller, known as Tiller the Baby Killer, is performing late-term abortions without defining the specific medical reasons why. Then there was a the guy in Pittsburgh who killed three police officers because he was convinced they were coming for his guns. Gee, I wonder where he got that idea. He will slowly but surely take away your gun or take away your ability to shoot a gun carry a gun uh... he will make them more expensive he'll tax them out of existence he will because he has said he would he will tax your gun or take your gun away one way or another then there was the man in tennessee who shot people inside what he considered a quote liberal church he was reading o'reilly and hannity's books on how terrible liberals are and might have heard a rant like this I beg you, look for the words social justice or economic justice on your church website. If you find it, run as fast as you can. Look, this is destructive to our country. It rips us all apart. The demagoguery, especially based on race or religion, is also destructive to the idea of America, that we are all created equal and are all equally American. But it's also destructive to the Republican Party. What black person, gay guy or girl, immigrant or Muslim American in their right mind would vote for the Republican Party? They might as well hang a sign around their neck saying, I hate myself. So in the end, the GOP will be left holding a shrinking part of the U.S. population, screaming about how they hate everyone else. That's a terrible political strategy. Don't get me wrong, demagoguing does work in the short run. That's why they do it. They've been doing it since McCarthy, because it gives them a temporary leg up in the next election. But in the long run, it kills your own brand. You're not going to get a majority of, of even the white voters you think you're going for by being the party of hate. They're much better than that. They're Americans. So after a couple more Muslims and others get attacked and the passions die down, America realizes again that there's no boogeyman coming to get them, that Sharia law is not about to be imposed in Des Moines or Sacramento, they will reject this politics of hate. Then where will the Republican Party be? With even less voters, even more marginalized, 
and probably even more angry. We're witnessing the death pangs of a once great party, the party of Lincoln. That is no more. If they keep going this way, they're going to go from the grand old party to the sad little party. And they'll only have themselves to blame. Thanks for listening, everyone. So now, unfortunately, for the second show in a row, I have to forego the audio voicemails as I would normally be playing at this time. I have another interview that I want to play for you guys uh, in, in its place. It is time sensitive, and I just want to get it out. Voicemails will come back in the next show, I promise. If you've left a voicemail already, I am getting to those. Don't worry. If you have anything you want to say, the number to dial is 206-202-3410, and I will be getting to those messages in the next show. Right now, I have another special uh, interview, again, with the kids from Citizen Radio. And I know, like, why? Why in the world would I be doing that? I just interviewed them a little while ago. I don't even do interviews normally. It will become self-evident, and the interview will explain itself why it exists. But first, I'm actually going to play a promo for their show, not so much because they need to have a promo played, but because it was produced by Chris Priest, who's an amazing volunteer for this show. He's helped out the show a lot in the past, and I just think this uh, this promo he made for them is amazing, and I want you guys to hear it. It was good. On par with the badness of yesteryears. Yes. Which is good. But not good. Because it's whole good. Does everybody understand what we're trying to say? Our goal is to bring you the news, talk about stories that the mainstream media isn't covering. Slamming sound bites. Is that cool? We talk about funny stuff on the internet. Fart. <laughs> and that is Clarence Thomas. Uh, hey, go fuck yourself. I'm Patty Plagoyevich. King of the Dolphins. Oh. I want to fight police state senators in the 1950s. I want to fight police state senators in the 1950s. Legally, you don't have the right to do that. Wink. You don't. Wink. Israel commits war crimes. Literally, my only goal on this show is to get through an hour so that I can take a noodle nap. Jamie and his noodle naps. Who wants to hear about the deficit? I'm a dollar sign and I'm kind of sad. <laughs> beep, boop, beep, beep, beep. Oh, that doesn't make fucking sense. It does in my heart. You want to start with death squads? It's so odd that Democrats get looked down upon for offering entitlements for helping people. That's what entitlements are, by the way. It's helping people. Citizen Radio. Citizen Radio. Citizen Radio. CitizenRadio.com. Okay, so here we are with uh, Jamie and Allison from Citizen Radio. And so just first, if you guys have like a couple of words, what do you want to say about that amazing uh, promo that Chris Priest made for you guys? I think my exact words to Jamie were, oh my God, that is amazing. Yeah, we forget all of the stuff we say. So when we hear like the ridiculousness of it, it's amazing. Like it's just so fun for us. Like we'll get emails from people who will write us in with inside jokes that I guess we said weeks ago. Yeah. That we have no idea what they're talking about because we don't remember it so they sound like crazy people like yeah. they'll write in and be like hey i have orrin hatch's fetus in a jar too and we're like oh we should call the police yeah that's the thing jamie's always saying that we're like jazz which is a very cool way of saying our show's completely stream of consciousness we don't remember half the stuff we said yeah i think that just means high people enjoy us yeah i like the orrin hatch thing though i think that would make an awesome t-shirt orrin hatch's i i have orrin hatch's fetus in a jar yeah 
I'm on it. Absolutely. I, so I just like to say any chance I get, you know, because Chris Priest has been such an amazing supporter of this show and, you know, he's guest produced episodes in the past. And so basically my thoughts on him are, um, you know, if you enjoy things that sound good and you haven't been to his website, chrispriestmusic.com, then you just, I, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Yeah, and, and, and then my, my specific thoughts on your promo are that um, I love it. And I also love mine. He made one for me. Well, he made a couple for me, and I love mine. But I'm mildly irritated because I think yours are better. <laughs> I know. And, and you know, he just—I think he just gets better with time. So yeah, if you like your ears and hate bad things, support Chris. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so my listeners are wondering at this very moment. Uh, I, I had you guys on for an interview, like not even that long ago, and I don't do interviews ever. So right. why in the world am I having you guys on again? Because we rogue. have members of your family hostage. What? Oh, okay. oh no, there's a real answer. Mm. We've gone rogue. Yeah, we uh, we left our station. Or the station that was w- w- had us on was getting a little too eager for us to take on advertisers. Yeah, it was it was very disconcerting to wake up every morning and to hear, how about AT&T? You want AT&T to sponsor you? And we'd have to explain, well, no, because... We talked about how they wiretapped Americans, and that was illegal. And then the what next- about Bechtel? Yeah, Bechtel is that alright? What about Halliburton? How about Halliburton? All right. How about just Dick Cheney? <laughs> Citizen Radio is sponsored by Dick Cheney, <laughs> and it was you know it was getting and they had to make money. They had a certain business model, so I mean they, they never censored us, and and they hired us in the first place, which was insane of them. Yeah, that was pretty incredible. Because on paper we were not qualified. We had never done radio. Literally, he had no idea who we were, and we were like, "Give us a show." Yeah, if the language doesn't offend you, the political content will. If the political content doesn't offend you, the language will. Like there wasn't there weren't many reasons, but. We ended up kind of becoming a, a big deal over there. And I don't know, man. I mean, this was kind of our first chance to put up or shut up if we were going to be sellouts. Because, you know, and you probably have this every time, and all of your listeners, anytime you go home to see your conservative family, they're like, wait until you get money, then you'll become a, then you'll become a Republican. You'll hate black people. Once you get some money, you'll hate black people. I didn't hate black people. And then I got my first paycheck. And I that- was like... Wait a second. I don't like black people. That's how it happens. And it's so funny how, how quickly they think that you're going to sell out all of your morals, like being liberal phase, like a high school band or something. Yeah. And this was kind of our chance where you know, we were getting paid. We have no idea how many listeners we have. Um, luckily, we've been independent for a day and we're already ranked nine or 10 on the political podcast on iTunes, which is really encouraging. But we're essentially going the membership model. And which we stole from you, who I believe stole from somebody else. And we want to, you know, we're, we're saying if you can afford it, awesome and donate. And if you can't afford it, tell your friends, hand out flyers, you know, find other outcasts. So really what we're trying to do is just prove to everybody that you can make a living, that you can sort of espouse these incredibly progressive, anti-corporate, anti-war you know, anti-bigotry messages without, you don't need funding. You don't need advertisers. And, you know, we're going to try to find advertisers. We have a couple of people like, you know, these like vegan websites and, and free trade coffee. And we want to support groups like that. 
you know, so I'm not against ads. I want to advertise for really great things that we support. But you can advertise ethically. Right, and I feel like if we do this and if we can prove this is a model, then we don't need to fund a huge Air America. We don't need to, you know, try to kiss up to these corporations and have, you know, fucking... AT&T on the Huffington Post. Like, we don't need to do that, and we can stay true to uh, our values and not just talk shit and then cut to a commercial and be like, and that last anti-corporate spiel was brought to you by McDonald's. Absolutely. Yeah, and and just for a, a little bit more uh, background, you know, people um – you know, again, because lots of lots of people are in this situation. I mean, just like take one one for example. Ring of Fire is a is a show. They were on Air America. They have like Bobby Kennedy on there, and uh, you know, and when Air America imploded, they went. They are like moving in this direction. In the you know, subscribe to our podcast, give us a little bit of money, and you know, help support the show, sort of thing. And you know, it's not like I had them, in, you know, to interview on the show, and so. Just, just so everyone understands, like th- this kind of started. Like I, I, I pulled up this old email from you, Jamie. Oh God! Where, <laughs> was it one of my panicked emails? Um, almost. It was, uh, you know, talking about th- this idea of, ah, you know, if if we could go a- another way, we'd we'd like to. And so, among other things, you said, um, you know, if I thought we could pull this off money wise on our own, we would. And right. uh, and my response to that was basically like. You, you know, you can, right? Like, <laughs> All right. you know, I, I, why don't, why don't we kind of work on that? And so, so I'm in this position where, um, where if we, if we fail, it's we're my, coming to you. Yeah. I will come at you like your haunted path. They, <laughs> I will bring you down, Jay. <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to go so much the, uh, homicidal, uh, route. <laughs> oh, no, no, we are. No. no, but I'll kill you. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I, I, Allison will murder you with her fist of rage. <laughs> I see. I, see, I was gonna go with the like, um, I'm witnessing you guys as you take off your training wheels, and if you like oh, fall and scrape your knee, then that's, that, that's much sweeter of you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I feel personally responsible. So obviously, I have to urge all my listeners. You know, the way my show is supported and totally independent. You know, is totally done by the members and donors who support me, like that's what these guys are doing. And so yeah. um, and it's one of those things where I've gotten emails that have literally almost made me cry this week where we've already started to get so many donations. And, you know, one, one woman, I told her not to donate. She like, she was like, uh, she was like, well, I have kids and, you know, I kind of go in the red if I donate, but maybe I can do $5 a month. And I was like, stop it. Like if you can't, if you don't have the money, then just tell people about us. I mean, that's the biggest thing. It's wearecitizenradio.com. We've started a YouTube channel. We're again next week on the YouTube channel. We, we have, we're going to have a video chat with Glenn Malt from Salon. Um, we're doing lots of really cool things that lots of cool people should know about. Um, I think I mentioned Matt and Chomsky and all that stuff. And, you know, so just tell people. We're going to have flyers people can download. We're going to build forms. And we're really trying to instill this sense of community among the progressives. But if you do have money kicking around, you know, I know there are so many progressives who, if you buy Starbucks coffee, $10, you could, instead of supporting the giant corporation, you could support someone like Jay, you could support us, the Young Turks, whoever. And the more people like you donate, the less that we have to censor ourselves. So, you know, we can actually get away and we can, we, you know, when, when we first became friends with Jeremy Scahill, the first conversation we had is I asked him, I go, what do you think is more important? Do you think it's more important for progressives to hijack the mainstream media and people like Jeremy to go on Matto and Oberman or Joe Scarborough or something ridiculous like that? Or do you think it's more important to 
just support independent media like you and us and Democracy Now! And he goes, I think the key is to, when we can get to the point where shows like ours are a threat, that's going to force us into the mainstream. That's going to force the mainstream media to take us on completely uncensored. Or not only that, if if our sorry to use gross lingo, but if our business model becomes successful, then they're going to have to start answering to what makes us successful. Exactly. So they won't have that excuse anymore to say, well, we have to be right-wing because we're businesses advertise on us and we have to satisfy them. It'll be like, well, why are those shows so popular? Oh, because they're talking about these issues. So maybe we should start talking about that. Right. Citizen Radio doesn't have advertisers that they're trying to sort of appease. So that's fine. And that's really what we want. And then we want to become a threat to the political world. You know, we want to build this up where our show, the whole point of it is we are gathering people who were totally disenfranchised with politics and were completely apathetic because they knew the mainstream media was bullshitting them. They didn't trust their politicians. And so we're trying to rile all those people and make them politically active again and it's working and then once that happens we can start focusing all of our energy on now we target these politicians please don't take that out of context now, <laughs> now, now we, we target them politically and make the progressives something that they fear instead of someone that you know Jesus Christ Obama Rahm Emanuel and Gibbs in like a month called us all fucking retarded and just made fun of us. Yeah, like, how much do they have to abuse you before you stop licking their boots? Like, I'm all for the organizational thing. I'm all for reforming the Democratic Party. Uh, But, yeah, at some point, you really do have to hold them accountable, and that's what we're all about. I I mean, so you say. I was going to give them, like, two or three more years of boot licking. Just... (laughs) <laughs> All right, so, so yeah, I, I think I think that's about it. The, the um, so obviously we are citizenradio.com. Whether you yep. want to you know sign up for a membership and support, uh, the, the other really, really important thing to note is that you guys uh, you have a new podcast feed. So if you were subscribed before, you right. actually have to go to the website and resubscribe or search for the show on iTunes. That's yeah. Now you can actually search us on iTunes, which is pretty exciting. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, guys. Oh, thank you. That's it for today. Next show will be back to the normal format. No worries. Uh, I apologize. I don't have my list of uh, members in front of me. I can't uh, thank specific members, but I just want to thank all of the members who make this show possible, all the members and and, uh, individual donors. Uh, I couldn't do it without you guys, as you hear me say, just about every show. Everyone, everyone, everyone can support the show just by telling friends and family and coworkers and enemies about it. It makes a huge difference just uh, spreading the word and uh, helping to grow the audience that way. You can stay connected to the show online and spread the word to your friends online by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. For details on the show itself, including links to sources and music used in this and every episode, all of that is always listed in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you 10 times a month, thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. Bought a picture that wasn't right Pitch burning on a shiny sheet The only maker that you want to meet A dying man in a living room Whose shadow bases the floor